This is the second Sunday out of five that we're going to be spending working through this gospel according to John chapter 6. Remember that last week as we began that chapter, that Jesus performed the miracle of the multiplication of the loaves. So for a crowd of 5,000 men plus women and children, perhaps the size of a crowd that would today fill the Verizon Center, he fed them all, starting with only five small loaves and two fish. And today we come to the next day as the crowd has come looking for Jesus. But as we see, they're looking for him for the wrong reason. Jesus is going to try to move their reason so that they are looking for the right reason, but we'll see that it doesn't go so well, at least within the verses we're looking at today. And as we begin this, we might think back to one of those events that happened very early in Jesus' earthly ministry, which we hear about at the beginning of every Lent. Because Jesus, after growing up in Nazareth, at about the point he reached 30 years old, went and was baptized by his cousin John the Baptist in the Jordan. And then immediately went into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. And at the end of that period, what happened? The devil came to tempt him. There are three temptations that scripture records. Tempt him to turn stone into bread. To tempt him to go to a very public place, the high place of the temple, and throw himself off so that everyone could see God the Father saving him miraculously, or to bow down and worship the devil and thus gain the authority of all the kingdoms of the world. Perhaps the devil thought, perhaps the idea was to tempt Jesus to think, wouldn't this be a better way to go about redeeming the world? A much better way than the plan the Father had in mind. And we too might think, oh, you know, it kind of makes sense. Why not? Why not do it that way? Well, if we ever were tempted to think that, we might want to look at this story because when Jesus miraculously multiplied the loaves, it was rather similar to that, wasn't it? He multiplied bread. He did it in the sight of everyone. And sure enough, as we heard last week, they wanted to make him king. All those effects we might have expected happened, except, as we'll see, the crowd doesn't understand yet. They haven't actually reached the point of faith. And this, then, is what Jesus is trying to bring them to today. Remember that in this chapter, the concept of signs is very important. Something is a sign if it is what it is and also points to something else. And to miss the point of the sign would be to, like, become so entranced with the beauty of the red, eight-shaped piece of metal that we miss the fact that it's telling us we have to stop. So, too, with this crowd. They ate the loaves miraculously multiplied. But they're missing the points of the other things Jesus wants to communicate to them through that miracle, that sign. And so we have this very frustrating conversation between Jesus and the crowd. Because the crowd really isn't listening to him at all. They have one goal, to get him to do it again. And they're willing to say whatever it takes to try to get him to do that. So we hear at one point, as he says, the work of God is to believe in the one he sent. And they're like, oh, well... You want us to believe in you, well, you should do a sign. You know, Moses, 
he did the sign of bringing bread down from heaven, maybe you should do something like that too. They're very clever. And also at one point, as Jesus was telling them, don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life. They're like, okay, what does God want us to do? Because that's what he tells us through prophets, right? Don't do this, do this. What does he want us to do? So there's the crowd stuck. And Jesus is trying to get them unstuck and move them, move them beyond the starting points to focus upon him and the additional, even better things he wants to do for them once they open themselves in faith. And we might say, oh, that, that foolish crowd, why couldn't they get it? But are they so very different? We know that many people around us would say to us, well, you know, when you go to church, that's religion, and all religions are pretty much the same, and you're pretty much doing the same things, right? You go to worship, and you ask God for what you need, and you also listen to Him tell you what to do. Isn't that what they all are? It's clear what the crowd thinks. You know, here we are asking Jesus what we need. And we're asking him, all right, what are you going to tell us to do now? And it's entirely possible to never get beyond that surface. And to be, even attending Sunday Mass week after week, simply staying on that surface level, hoping that in the end we get to heaven. And not realizing that Jesus is inviting us to go deeper, to go further, to take our minds just off these ordinary daily actions and to look at Him. Pay attention to me, the one the Father has sent. Here I am with you, and I want to do something amazing for you. Hear me, see me. At the parish I just moved here from, I was involved with youth ministry. And for the teenagers who came to that program, of course, we would have do fun activities and give them food and encourage friendships among them. But that wasn't the core of where they needed to go or where we would take them in the youth ministry. Because where we would take them, and it would succeed... And they would experience this, not all at once, but one at a time, in different moments, and in slightly different ways, but still there'd be a commonality to it. At certain points, one by one, they would relate. Tonight, I met Jesus for real. You know, I've you know, gone to church all my life, my parents have brought me, but, but tonight, I found out he was here. He was with me, personally talking to me, touching me, and also reaching out to me to heal me from things that I have suffered in the past or even now. Because these teens had suffered things in the past and were in difficult situations now. Things could very well pull them into very dangerous ways of life. When did this happen? When did they experience this? 
usually was two things in combination. One is that it was Eucharistic adoration. In the coming weeks, we'll hear Jesus later in this chapter talk about how he will give us his flesh to eat. He's talking about the Eucharist as he transforms bread into himself and makes himself truly present. And it's especially in Eucharistic adoration when we come face to face and spend time with the Lord that we can be led to encounter him as these teams have been. And very often, somewhere in combination with that is the experience of going to confession and meeting him there and having those burdens lifted and those sins forgiven and washed away. And this could lead beyond the ordinary actions of daily life to do what he asks, to see and meet him. As you can imagine, this could make a tremendous difference in the lives of these teens, could set them on a completely different course. Some of them have become priests. One of those priests is at a parish neighboring to this one. Some of them have become religious sisters. Some of them have become youth ministers. One of them at another parish neighboring to this one. This is the fruit of what happens when we meet Jesus as he wants us to. This Friday, first Friday of August, we'll all have the opportunity to enter into Eucharistic adoration in the convent chapel all morning, all afternoon. This Saturday, as always, there'll be the scheduled times of confession. And if maybe, whether you're 12 or 72, if you haven't met Jesus up till now, come and meet him. And know that above all, he makes himself present here. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger. And whoever believes in me will never thirst. 